This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, April 30th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. Montana has greatly restricted its police department's ability to get access to weaponry designed for the military. It may be another signal that states are increasingly willing to take greater control of the police power. Adam Bates, a policy analyst at the Cato Institute, discusses the details. There's actually uh, a, a laundry list of federal programs that exist to either uh, distribute or facilitate the distribution of uh, military-grade weaponry or funds uh, that can be used to purchase uh, military-grade weaponry and vehicles uh, from the federal government, uh, from the military to to local law enforcement. Uh, probably the most uh, famous one <laughs> is the Pentagon's 1033 program, uh, which allows surplus military equipment from the Pentagon to be transferred uh, free of charge to local law enforcement. Now, that can include mundane things like office chairs and refrigerators, or it can include uh, high-capacity, high-power rifles, uh, mine-resistant vehicles, and things like that. Um, There are also a great many lesser-known programs. Uh, The Pentagon's 1122 program, uh, high-intensity drug trafficking grants, uh, homeland security grants. There are uh, all in all about eight to ten of these federal programs that, that basically uh, serve the same function. And the federal government really hasn't done much even after the uh, show of force in Ferguson, Missouri and elsewhere in the United States really hasn't done much to uh, rein this in. Right. I, I feel like the, the events in Ferguson and the, and the massive police show of force after, after the demonstrations in Ferguson were really the first time a lot of people even heard of these programs or knew they existed. Some of these programs have existed uh, for years and years, for 25 years in the case of the 1033 program. Uh, so there was a bit of a, an awakening as far as the existence of these programs, but, but you're right. From the federal level, uh, the White House commissioned a review of, of these programs, but as far as actual uh, substantive efforts to, to rein these things in, no, there, there, there has been been virtually no action at the federal level. So what has Montana done? The state of Montana recently uh, passed and had signed into, a, signed into law uh, a bill that basically curtails uh, these federal distribution programs. Uh, the Montana bill, uh, it sets up a certain list of equipment, silencers, grenades, uh, things like that, that absolutely cannot be purchased or transferred to local law enforcement from the federal government. Uh, further, it requires... Uh, public notice within 14 days of any request uh, for the types of weapons or material that it that law enforcement still is allowed to purchase. Lastly, it bans the use of federal funds to use this equipment. All equipment purchased uh, through any of these various federal programs, uh, the money has to come from state or local budgets. They cannot use these federal grants to turn around and purchase this federal equipment. It seemed that seems like all that's all to the good, um, but I also sense that there's going to be a problem if further states try to adopt this with uh, how tight budgets are at the state level. Uh, it, it seems like it, that's that would be tough for other states to accomplish. Well, right. I, I think that's been one of the appeals of these programs uh, for the last several years. Is from the state perspective. Uh, you were you were getting all of this free stuff from the federal government, and look, uh, budgets are tight, and we don't have to pay for it. But I think there there is an increasing awareness uh, that uh, all of this stuff from the federal government comes with strings attached. Uh, traditionally, 
we can view uh, the state budget making process as the state legislature establishing priorities for the state government. Uh, what these programs serve as is a way for law enforcement agencies to basically circumvent uh, that process and replace the priorities that the state governments were putting on law enforcement with the priorities of the federal government, whether that's counterterrorism or counter narcotics. There's one aspect to a lot of these federal grants that's probably not fully appreciated, really, which is that just by virtue of giving a certain amount of money to accomplish some specific task, you are sort of perverting in a way law enforcement priorities or you at least have the have the potential to be directing more effort toward something that in your state may not really be a problem but you want the money right these uh these grants can be competitive. Law enforcement uh, generally has to cite in their application for funding uh, some use for this equipment. So you see uh, police departments in New Hampshire citing their pumpkin festival as a, as a possible terrorist target so they can justify these transfers. And so, yes, you do get this kind of competition for uh, generating a threat from drug traffickers, generating a threat from terrorists just to justify uh, the transfers of this federal equipment. So certainly uh, when the federal government waves um, all these toys and all this cash around to local law enforcement and they don't have to go to the legislature to ask for uh, an appropriation, yes, certainly this is uh, perverting the incentives of, of local law enforcement. Now, uh, somewhat related, uh, which is on the issue of state leadership and federal power operating within states, uh, New Mexico has banned uh, civil asset forfeiture. Governor Susana Martinez signed this um, bill a couple weeks ago. It passed both houses of the New Mexico legislature unanimously. Uh, this was a, it was a great uh, effort toward bipartisan uh, criminal justice reform, and uh, uh, it had a lot of the same issues that that police militarization has. Uh, civil asset forfeiture is another area where uh, the federal government, through its various asset forfeiture funds and its equitable sharing rules, was perverting and allowing local law enforcement to circumvent state forfeiture laws uh, by utilizing these federal programs. So what New Mexico did was pass a bill very similar to this one that established new guidelines at the state level uh, that require a criminal conviction before assets can be seized and also barred local law enforcement from participating in these federal programs. So I think this should really be seen as these states taking back control of their own priorities and their own law enforcement agencies from the federal government. So in in Montana's case, where they are heavily restricting the use of uh, federal granting programs and certain military equipment, uh, how much did they take from the group that made recommendations to the White House about how to do it? Um, Many of these, many of the aspects of this bill in Montana uh, came through in this in this White House task force that was established to review these programs. Uh, the transparency aspect, the fact that they have to notify the public, uh, the limiting of what are called uh, controlled items, which would be things like weapons and uh, weaponized vehicles, mine-resistant vehicles. So I do think there's hope that, again, you have this kind of a bipartisan spirit of the Obama administration and the state of Montana, uh, and also this idea from both the federal and state level that, look, there's a problem here and we need to address it. As a political matter, uh, Republicans like to be seen as the law and order uh, party. They also like to be seen as the 
get government off my back party. So uh, how, are, how are the politics of that uh, tension shaping up for the next few years? Well, I, I think, as you said, that's always going to be kind of this tension among conservatives that, that we, want to, we want to have order, we want to have the law is the law, and, and people should follow the law, but also this kind of pervasive spirit in the conservative mindset that the government is a threat to individual rights and, and property and liberty. Uh, I think what may be turning the tide a bit here is this concept of state sovereignty. Uh, I think we may be starting to see uh, these efforts to bolster the uh, power projection capacity of law enforcement as uh, federalizing local law enforcement. So hopefully that is is kind of tilting the the tables in favor of getting the federal government uh, out of local law enforcement and and ending these programs. As for the where where I see this going over the next few years, uh, it, when you watch things like what happened in Ferguson, when you watch uh, the police response in Baltimore, uh, I think it's becoming more and more difficult. Uh, to defend this kind of militarized police. I think uh, even law and order conservatives are starting to say, hey, there's a problem here. This is supposed to be the police. This is not supposed to be the military. And uh, hopefully we, we keep developing that, that mindset as we go forward. Adam Bates is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.